Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, we thank you. We just bless and exalt your name. Once again, God, we're here to receive instructions from you. And we demand mighty and everlasting Father. That your good will be revealed to us, even as you impact us with the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're just going to continue straight with our, our study and deliver from the present evil world. We continue with that. And this is going to be part number five. Our test remains the same Galatians 1, verse number 4. To be very precise. Galatians 1 verse number 4. Scripture says, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. Hallelujah. I want you to know that. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. According to the will of God and our Father. Amen. Alright, so this is the main test we're dealing with. And uh, I want us to pay close attention as we go further in this. Praise the Lord. In the first epistles of the book of John. John, 1st John chapter 5 verse 19. Uh, there's a strong statement there that John made. 1st John chapter 5 verse number 19. Hallelujah. And we know and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. The whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that we are of God. Now what that means is even though the world the whole world is lying under the influence of the wicked one. We are not part of the wicked system. Why? Because we are born of God. But the whole world lies under the influence of the wicked one. By implication, that which is called the world, like we have already been defining, is controlled by a wicked spirit. But remember, we are not of the world, even though we live in the world. Amen? So, you take this together with Galatians 1 verse 4, you'll be able to get a confirmation in what he said. The present evil world, and the Lord is saying, delivering us from this present evil world, that is under the influence of the wicked one. Praise the living God. So like I said, this world is governed... By carnal men, those who are influenced under the carnal nature, uh, with serpent spirit within them, ruling through the mind of the serpent. We must understand how this began. That men today, all men in this world, who are influencing all that's supposed to be happening in this world today, they are operating under the influence of the serpentine spirit. 
which was injected into Eve. Remember the confession of Eve. It simply says, the serpent deceived me. That was the confession of Eve in the garden. And I have only mentioned this to you. The word Eve means the mother of all living. Meaning all men who have not received the spirit of God are under the influence of the serpentine spirit. And so everyone in high places today are being ruled and governed by the spirit of the serpent. Which is the spirit of deception. Amen. And so we begin to see that this spirit that started as a little serpent in Eden, like we always say, got magnified in the book of Revelation. So when you look at the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 12, verse number 9, you'll be able to see that. The book of Revelation 12, verse number 9. And this is what it says. And the great dragon was cast out of serpent called the devil, and Satan which disabled the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now the point I want you to pick there is, this great dragon was once a serpent. He grew, he multiplied, extend whatever is supposed to be, and begin to influence the entire system. Hallelujah. Amen. So, the result of this operation or the influence of this spirit in mankind is what, which is what I would rather refer to as a conglomerate system, you know, on economic, political, religious, every aspect of mankind, social aspect of mankind is being influenced by this spirit that is resident in men. Hallelujah. And I made you to understand in time past that what the Lord did for us as believers is found in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 2. If you read from verse 1 to 2, but primarily verse number 2, and that is where you find the difference. He said, We are, verse 1 says, And you had a quicken who were dead in trespasses and sins. And verse number 2, We are in time past. You walk according. When you say walk, it means you lived according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the earth, the spirit and our walk it in the children of disobedience. Now, this is the only thing that you can find as the Lord have really done for you. When we're talking about delivering it from this present evil world. So we're talking about God's Spirit bringing us out of a system that is so corrupted, a system that is full of deception, a system that is full of malignity. He brought us out of that so that the prince of the power of the air will no longer rule in our hearts. Praise the living God. Are we there? Alright, so like I said, he just made a confession. The serpent deceived me. So one thing you find there in Revelation 12 verse 9 is the strongest weapon of the serpent is deception. Hallelujah. Is deception. He can paint for you, even that which God said is not good, he can paint it in a deceiving way, you begin to see light in it. Because remember, God said, oh, eat of that tree. And what was the next thing that happened? He told them, come on, you can eat of it. For the day you eat of it, it shall be as gods. And what's the next thing? The Bible made us understand when Eve discovered that this can make one wise and good for food, he partook of it. Right? Okay. 
He was about to get her to begin to think differently from what God says. Praise the living God. Right. Now, that's, that's something I want you to understand as well. Even though Adam got corrupted, I mean, through the sin of this seed, and was expelled from the principle, if you want to say it out, of the Eden, the Garden of Eden, he was still living in the presence of God. At that level. He was still within the vicinity of the presence of God. You see? It is not until we get to chapter 4, like we keep saying, that we find that Cain left the presence of the Lord. So that means Adam was still in the presence of God. Did you get that? So when you go to chapter 4, the Bible now says Cain left the presence of God and he went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. He left the presence of God and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. But we are not told that Adam left the presence of God. No, it's Cain that left the presence of God. But again, we understand that Adam was asked to leave the garden to the east. Hallelujah. Now, we do understand again that in that chapter 4, Cain, his children, finally, like himself, he built a city, right? And named the city after his own son. You can find that in Genesis chapter 4, 17, I mean 16 and 17, right? He left the presence of God and he built a city and named the city after his own son. Now, this is very significant. And something I intend to make you see it tonight. The word Nod in Hebrew chapter 4, I mean Genesis, I'm saying Hebrew. <laughs> Genesis chapter 4 and, and verse 16, 17, when he say went to the present, I mean from the land of the presence of God and went the land of Nod. The Hebrew word for Nod is actually exile or very grand sea. Exile. So he went into exile all by himself from the presence of the Lord. Thus Cain left the presence of the Lord and away from the influence of the Spirit. Away from the life of the kingdom. Away from his inheritance in God. Into exile. To walk totally independent of the spirit and the influence of God. God is right. Adam was asked to leave the garden, but not the presence of God. Cain got on the scene, went far away from the presence of God into the land of wandering. He became a vagabond, if I may use the word. A fugitive. So now, when you move out of God's presence, in your dealing, you are exiling yourself. When you, when you refuse to submit to God's dealings in your life by His Spirit, you are on your own exiling yourself. You are going into exile from the presence of God. Now, you don't forget the fact that in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are we here? Now in Genesis 3 verse 23 anyway, uh, this is what the Bible says there. 
Therefore the Lord sent, Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from where he was taken. Right? Verse 24. Talking about Adam now. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim and a cherub, I mean flaming sword, which turned everywhere to keep the way of the tree of life. So, get this picture. Let's assume this is Eden. This is the garden. And he asked him to move to the east of Eden. Automatically, Eden or the garden is now to the west. In this arrangement. Are you getting that? He moved to the east. And then, the Lord placed him flaming sword, which is only the word of God, in such a way that Adam cannot come through if he has to come back, except he must pass through the sword, which is the word of God. Now, the Bible made us to understand the land of Nod, or the condition of exile, is stated to be on the east of Eden. From that Genesis chapter 4. Is that okay? Now, the garden of Eden is like the kingdom of heaven on earth. It was westward now from the position of this movement. But Cain traveled eastward. Now, watch this. This is Eden. This is, as it were, the garden. God has moved Adam this way. Adam now has his children right way as square. Now the sun, which is can move farther away from even the east position. Are you following what I'm talking about? Farther away from the position where the father was. So there's a continuous migration from the presence of God to a farther dimension. Now are you surprised today that all first religion are coming from the east? Hallelujah. That will teach you something. Mysticism, all of those things, they are oriental religions that are coming from the east. They try to seek man, but in their own effort. Because they've left the presence of God. God is to the west. Why? The land of wandering with the land of north is to the east. Praise the Lord. So now, man was driven eastward by his own dictate. And can continue yet further in eastward direction. And so, all the metaphysical, like I said, religious things, they all come from the east. We shouldn't be surprised about that. They are all away from the presence of God. Praise the living God. They don't have the Holy Spirit resident within them. They are not being influenced by the Spirit of God. They hear voices, but not the voice of God. Hallelujah. Because they are not in the presence of God. They've moved farther away from Eden, from the garden itself. Like I'm saying, the garden is now to the west. And all false metaphysical religion, they are coming from the east. Praise the Lord. Now, this east-to-west direction is very significant in Bible interpretation and wisdom, if I may use the word. If you look at mighty 24, verse number 27, you'll be able to see something there. Mighty 24, verse 27. For as a lightning coming 
out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Hallelujah. So here the world is clearly revealing to us the roots of spiritual progress is from the east to the west. Jesus Christ, who is the wisdom of God, is pictured by the psalmist as a bridegroom typified by the son who comes out of the chambers to run a race through the heavens. You find that in Psalm 19. Let's look at 4 to 6. Psalm 19, 4 to 6. Hallelujah. It talks about the sun and the moon. Their line is gone out through all the earth. And went to the end of the world. In their heart he set the tabernacle for the sun. Now you don't forget. The Bible made us understand that Christ is the son of righteousness. Amen. Next verse says. Which is as a bridegroom. With the bridegroom. Christ. Coming out of his chamber. And rejoiced as a strong man to run a race. Was the next thing. His going forth is from the end of the heavens and is secured unto the ends of the earth. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. You also go that in the book of Malachi, you see that. It talks about a sign of righteousness that arise with healing in his wings. Is that okay? Right. The next verse says us, what's the next verse? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. Now, this is the point. I mentioned this to you some time ago. You see, the Hebrew people, they always believe that, actually, if you look at the tabernacle, there was the eastern gate. The eastern gate was not supposed to be used by any man. It was reserved for God. Now, if you want to follow God's vented position, the ark of the tabernacle was to the west. That is where God resides. Is that okay? But the move of God is from the east to the tabernacle. You see the priest coming into the temple, it comes to you from the east down to the west. So Jesus had to make that statement in Matthew 24. And the sun rises from the east and sets in the west. Is that okay? Right. So if God is coming to the west to dwell, you moving from the west to the east, what do you do? You are going away from God's presence. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now the Hebrew people, when they bury someone, they make sure the leg face the east, the head face the west. The understanding is, when you rise in the day of resurrection, you face your maker. Are you with me? Yeah. That is the spiritual direction. You face your maker. So the legs face the east, the head into the west. Even if you walk the temple, even when Jesus, I mean the, the tomb where Jesus was buried, you find the same principle. Because the understanding is in the, at the time of resurrection, when you rise from the grave, you're going to face your maker. And where's your maker coming from? From the eastern gate. Praise the Lord. Right. So, we begin to see that when man has fallen and decided to find his own way outside of God's presence, he begins to walk away from the presence of God from the west to the east and going further and further and further away. In other words, when you come to a place in your life where you don't have a relationship with the Father the way it's supposed to be, when the level of communion 
have been disrupted and broken. You have moved away from the west to the east. You're going to a point where you want to determine your life by your own thoughts, mindset, and wisdom. Praise the Lord. So, we have to understand again, like I said, Adam, even though he has seen, he was still in the presence of God. And one of those things that you can use to define in a simple term to be the presence of God is the anointing, the presence of God. You see? Praise the living God. So, but now Cain is rejecting even the presence of God or the anointing of God or the hand of God or the spirit of God or the finger of God. Whichever way you want to call that. Praise the living God. He's rejecting that by going away from the presence of God and coming to the place where he now wants to live his life all not but with the flesh, the fleshly dimension, which is talking about carnal mind, that's now he has come into, was going on opposite direction from the west to the east. And the Lord is moving from the east to the west. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. So he went further, further away from the life and the spirit of God. That's what I'm just trying to illustrate to you. And, and you can do that. In your thinking, you can do that. In your in your walk, sometimes you can literally begin to do that with the way you move, unknown to you that you are actually moving away from the presence of God. Hallelujah. For instance, if you shut down your prayer life, you're moving away from the presence of God because that is where you are supposed to be communing with the Father. Is that okay? Yeah, if your prayer life is reducing regularly, you are only going to depend on your natural wisdom, no longer the wisdom of God in doing what you're supposed to do. Amen? Praise the Lord. So the final end of, of, of Cain was to be in an exile and a vulnerable living on a territory that pertained not to him but not to God. Right? Here he built an inheritance, has a possession because he built a city, we are made to understand, but completely alienated from God, severed from the anointing, from the presence of the Spirit of God, and yet he built a city. Now, that is the point. You see, you come to a place sometimes in your life where you come and, and, and build a city. What I mean is, you just stagnate, you choose not to have anything to do with God. Everything about your life is what you think you can conceive with your natural mind. You are self-sufficient, you are self-satisfied. You don't feel anything at this stage, even if God is not communicating to you or with you. It doesn't seem to bother you anymore. You seem completely satisfied with the life you're living, not knowing that actually you are away from the presence of God. Now you come and build a tabernacle around that. In religious system, we can do the same thing. We come to a place in our walk with God as Christians, we begin to do things that God has not even ordained for us to do. We just do them because we feel they are good. We do them because we feel other people are doing them. We think they are the thing that will glorify God. But if God's presence is not there, you are still in the land of Nod. In vibrant. Hallelujah. One thing we must understand, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17 and 18, made us see something very, very precise. 
about our walk with God. You see, when you're walking to the east from the presence of God, you're moving away from His glory. But if you're walking to the west, you're going towards the glory of God because the glory is found in the tabernacle on the most holy place. Right? Are we together? And again, you must help me now, Lord. God has told us in His Word, we read that last week as well, man is supposed to be made in the image and likeness of God. As a matter of fact, man is the glory of God. And we'll find out the Hebrew word, verse number 3, and before translation. But here, let's read now. The Bible says, Now the Lord is that Oh Lord, thank you. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, that's what? Liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. And so, the scripture will say, the way of the, the path of the righteous is like a shining light that shines brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. So God's intention is the more we walk towards God, the more we become God-like. And everything you are supposed to do to bring this relationship, you don't shut it down. Praise the living God. We move from glory to glory. Now you see, when King was moving, we were moving from glory to the realm of flesh. More of flesh, more of humanism, if you will. Hallelujah. As long as we are short of the image and incorruptible life of God, we must never settle anywhere. This, is the un- this was the undoing of Cain. He was moving from God's glory more and more and he ended up settling in a city without God's presence. Are you there with me? So one of the deceptive spirits that can move you out is to get you to the place of self-satisfaction that you don't have need of God. You come to completely become self-independent. You don't have need of God. You don't, you don't think anything about who God is anymore. Perhaps you may be still calling on God, but you are not with God, and God is not with you. Praise the Lord. And so, most of the people that settle for, like the city of that Cain built, they come to systematize or organize. Most of what we call organized religion are actually a typical example of moving from the presence of God because God is not just, you know, how do I put this? See what happened at the modern transfiguration. When Peter saw the glory of Jesus, Moses and Elijah. He said, let us build three tabernacles here. That's what religion does. Let's stay here. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Let's, let's, let's build a tabernacle here. As a matter of fact, in the book of Luke, Luke said, not knowing what he said. He had no understanding of what he was saying. He saw the glory and he said, it's good we should be here. We'll be three tabernacles. 
One for you, one for Moses, one for myself. Let's build three tabernacles. He wanted to structure something that is still in the future. Because the feast of tabernacle was talking about has not yet come. They just already had even then they have not even gotten Pentecost. Jesus was still alive. Are you following what I'm saying now? Right. No, the middle of three feasts in Israel, Deuteronomy 16, 16. You don't forget that. Feast of Passover, Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles, right? Okay, now they were all saved, that Feast of Passover. Okay, now they were supposed to be waiting to experience the Feast of Pentecost when Jesus rose from the grave, or rise from the grave, as the case may be. Now, after quench, they have to be the Feast of Tabernacle, which is the full glorification of God in man. So Peter is saying, no, let's structure it here. That's what scripture says, not knowing what he said. Man likes to settle, but God is always on the move. Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. Remember in the wilderness, they have to move with the clouds. God is always on the move. It's always saying of I do a new thing. Praise the living God. So, sin began with Adam in the garden. For Adam sin, I was corrupted by sin and overcome by death. But he did not fall into the wall at that point. Neither was he possessed by the wall. You remember I told you here some time ago, Paul made a statement. And he said, Adam was not in the transgression, but the woman was. Remember that? Good. Adam was not in the transgression, but the woman was. So the truth is, Adam was not supposed to be driven from the garden. By implication, I submit that he willingly left the garden, because the wife should be the one to be driven from the garden. Is that okay? <laughs> now, why then, like I said, will Adam decide to leave the garden and follow the wife? Because Ephesians explained that to us. When Paul was speaking about the husband and the wife, and he said, I show you a mystery for I speak of Christ and the church. Is that okay? So the mystery is, if Adam had not followed Eve to die, the death of this thing, Jesus wouldn't have died for the church. Because Adam was the type of Christ, just as Eve was the type of the mother, which is the church. Is that okay? Reason I have to believe this is, you see, Adam was a light being, just like Christ is a light being, like we find in the Hebrew chapter 1 verse 11. And in, in John chapter 1, the Bible says, the light is the light of men, and darkness cannot comprehend this light. So, the light that darkness cannot comprehend means darkness cannot overcome it, deception cannot overcome it. So there was no way the devil would have been able to deceive Adam. That's why I have to go to Eve. Because Adam was a light being. Are you following this? Praise the living God. So you come to a place in your life in the true sense that when you begin to partake of this glory, you must and you definitely walk into the dimension where the devil can deceive you. In fact, I want to say the devil will not want to come to you 
Because he knows he can deceive you. And the way you really come into this is the more you take the word of God into your life. Just like Jesus did in Matthew 24. He has so much of the word of God in his life that when the devil came, he simply said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. It is written. Is that okay? Right. He was quoting the word because he was now the word, you know, was resident within him. It's like saying he was now the word personified. And that is a place where you come to that the devil can deceive you. Hallelujah. So like I said, Adam was not, in the true sense, into that which is called the world. But again, let's, look, let's take a look at what the world is. First John chapter 2, 15, 16. So when we talk about the world, we are not talking about the globe. We are not talking about the universe. That's not what the world means. The world, like we know before, is cosmos. Is that okay? Or any organized system. Right. That it looks beautiful. Love not the world, neither the world, that it is in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, what are they? The loss of the flesh, and the loss of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. So the product of the world is the loss of the flesh, the loss of the eye, and the pride of life. This is what the world means. Hallelujah. So what I'm saying in the true sense, Adam was not a victim of this. Amen? Good. And this is what, the, what, what Jesus himself is delivering us of. I, I just grab you to get that. Because you see, no, let me jump the gun. So the world consists of all that man has instituted that replaces God in his life. Anything you, 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 you lift up so much, you lifted up so much, you wrecked so much, you, you depend on so much in place of God is the world. Just understand that. You trust so much in your money, it's part of the world. If you are in the world, anything you do without the leading of God, you are in the world. Amen? So when the Bible says they are not of the world, that means they are not influenced by all that is supposed to be the loss of the eye, loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. That is not what controls them. Those who are not of the world, those who are the children of God, they are not controlled by these things. Hallelujah. Should we have money? Why not? But should money control us? Not at all. That's the point. Amen? If your account comes low and you lose your mind, that means your money was your God. Your money was the source of your joy. The money was your source of your life. Which is not supposed to be. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Are we here? Alright. So anything that causes man to disregard the spirit, be removed from the anointing, stop making progress on one and upward, or being dependent of God is the world. Simple definition. Anything. That has taken the place of the Holy Spirit in your life. Has taken the place of the direction and the control of God's influence in your life is the world. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
When people, activities or things, whether good or bad, beautiful or ugly, enslave men, and you stop God, what I mean you stopping God is taking the place of God, whether beautiful or ugly, anything that takes the place of God in your life is the world. It might be good, it might be bad, no matter what it is. Is all what we call the wall. All that will come from the Father, like we are saying here, or that originates from any source other than the mind of Christ, all the man instituted by his own carnal wisdom and fleshly activity is the wall. Hallelujah. James chapter 3. Let's look at 13 and 14. James 3, 13, 14. Who is a wise man and endure with the knowledge among you? Let him show out of his good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if any, if you have bitter envy, listen to this, and strive in your heart, Glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and what devilish. I want you to get that. Hallelujah. What did you see there? If you live a life that is earthly, that is Sensuals, I mean, you, you come to the place of envy, strife, jealousy, any of those spirits. If they are moving in your life, you are of the world. That wisdom does not come from above. Do you envy people? Do you try to compete because somebody is prospering? I mean, can you live at peace with people without strife? That is what we're talking about. Hallelujah. Is it possible that you can have two good weeks without quarreling with somebody? <laughs> Just two weeks or maybe a week. Will you be able in any way for maybe one week not get offended by what people do because you analyze their action from a different source? That's what I'm saying. You can be in the world without you knowing. You can be carrying the Bible but you are still living in the world. What is the world? The influence of the wicked one. That's why the Bible calls us devilish. I mean, the devil is the originator of your envy, your jealousy. And what are we talking about? That's what you pick from Eden. Praise the Lord. So, here we find all of this is not according to God's purpose for man to be subjected to any system that himself are created. God is not interested in that. He's so jealous. It's when the Bible says, I'm a jealous God. You know what that means. 
you get jealous for your value property. You get jealous for, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You can't allow anybody to touch your gold in research or your gold earrings or whatever. Or your precious car you just bought. New Lexus. You don't even want anybody to scratch it. It's precious to you. You're jealous. Why God said I'm jealous? It means how precious you are to God. Hallelujah. But if you create anything that takes the place of God, God is jealous, but now you're giving yourself over to something else that is not of God. It becomes devilish. Essential. It's earthly. Hallelujah. And so, Scripture we say, are born the image of the earthly, which also be of the world, the image of the heavenly. This wisdom descended not. It doesn't come from above. That means it doesn't come from God. But it's earthly, sensual, and devilish. When you strive, when you envy, when you get jealous. Hallelujah. Okay, just like I said, anything you can do, anything you can set up, anything man can put in place that finally becomes a dominion spirit or influence over man's life, that itself is devilish, is of the world, and God is jealous about that. Look at Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 19. Otherwise, we take him from verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words, this is actually, you can read all of that from the top. He's talking about prophets, ministers of God, ministers of the gospel. People like Cain, like Jambres, like Balaam, all these people. He said, for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they are lured through the loss of the flesh. Through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. Why they promise them liberty? They themselves are the servant of corruption. This ministers. <laughs> For of whom man is overcome, of the same is he brought in what? In bondage. Now you listen to this. When man overcomes you, he brings you into bondage. What is that supposed to mean? When a man stands in a place as if he's the only one that can talk, he's the only prophet around, and you submit to that man, he brings you under bondage to himself. Instead of you being free, you become a slave. Are you listening to me? Meaning, God does not allow man to become God to another man. We are all sons of God. Praise the living God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? The promise of liberty, but they themselves are servants of corruption. You can tell you from the top. For of whom man is overcome, of the same is he brought into what? Into bondage. And you know what happens today when prophets tell people what to do. They tell them, do this, do this, do that. All manner of things, right? Somebody was speaking to me recently. And when he was describing a ministry in this city, I was shocked. You are telling me, I'm not telling you stories, I'm privy to that information. Even when the, the, the second man to this person knows me 100%. And the man that ordained that man, 
knows me. We went there together. And when that man saw the man ordained him, he shut down ministry that day. He can't prophesy. He left, even without greeting. But men are in bondage. And he told me how much people pay just to say, to register. And those they preach for, they prophesy for, they are in different categories. They, you know, the, the 30,000, the 50,000, the 100,000 They have to be in queue based on the amount you pay. That's where your prophecy comes. You bondage the religious system in this city. Hallelujah. So, men promise you liberty, but what happens? They themselves are servant of corruption, money, and whatever manner of spirit that you operate with. For whom man is overcome of the same, is he brought into what? Into bondage. So again you find that even being in charge does not give you liberty. You could be brought into bondage in certain circles. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Okay. Deliver from this present evil world. We have a few minutes to go. I would like us to see the depth of the meaning of this world that Paul used actually in the Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Delivering from the present evil world. Paul is trying to say we are being saved from an evil system that is corrupted by all manner of things, all shade of imagination that men have put together. We have been saved from that. Hallelujah. Now I would like us to read the book of First Peter chapter three, verse eighteen to twenty. First Peter three, verse eighteen. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God, be put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. So, first of all, I need you to understand this that he might bring us to God, not to a location, but to a person. We are being brought to God because we were separated from God. Through the influence of the Edenic experience of Eve. Are you with me? So Christ died to bring us back to God. We have been brought to a person. So you should be able to know when you get close to that individual that you have been brought back to. That's why to be born again has to do with not of the flesh, not of the will of man, not of the will of the flesh, but of the will of God. You are being brought back to God. God now becomes your father. When you pray, say this. Our father. Meaning your father is my father. Talk to your father. Are you seeing that? Alright. Verse 19. But which also you went and preached unto the spirit in prison. I don't want to talk about this. We sometimes we have disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was preparing, wearing fuel that is eight, so we are saved by water. Hallelujah. Now get this right. Christ, no, first of all, 
Noah was saved by water. Through the ark, by a ship. But the one saving us is a person. Hallelujah. Are you following this? In Galatians 1.4 that we're dealing with. When you get to the case of Noah, it's the water and the ark that saved Noah from the wall of his days. Now you have to understand that the wall of Noah was not talking about the ark, but the people that were living in his days. What saved Noah from them was the water. We just read from the book of 1 John, the whole world lieth under wickedness. And Jesus, as a person, is saving us from the influence of those people as well. So we find that Noah was saved by a ship, whereas the man saving us is a glorious person. Hallelujah. Noah was not raptured off the earth. Can we get that to our mind? He wasn't saved and taken out of the earth. He was saved from the system of the earth. And he was made to inherit the same earth that had been renewed. Is that okay? Hallelujah. So we read Genesis chapter 8. Let's give a Genesis chapter 8 and then we will look at verse 1, 2, 3 and then we will go to the last two verses. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the ark and the waters are swayed. That's what I dried up. Hallelujah. The founding of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. Is that okay? Hallelujah. And the waters returned from up the earth continually. After the end of the 150 days, the water was what? Abated. Go to the last two verses of the same chapter. Hallelujah. And the last man, now listen to this. When Noah finally came down, remember he offered out a sacrifice. Is that okay? Unto the Lord. And the Lord smelled a sweet savour, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again cause the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from the youth, from his youth. Neither will I again smile the wall, I mean, any anymore, any living thing as I have done. What's the next thing? While the earth remains, seed and a harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Now, jump to chapter 11, I mean, chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. The same commandment God gave in Genesis 1, 26-27. Can you get it now? So, here is like God saying, I find a person who can replenish or reproduce himself, which is God's righteousness on the face of the earth. Praise the Lord. Are we together? The earth was corrupted. God cleansed the earth, saved Noah through the water, and brought Noah back to the earth. He was enraptured up to heaven. 
He never replaced him into another climate. Hallelujah. Noah was not removed to another planet when he was saved from the world. That there was. Is that okay? Noah was saved by water, like I said. The same water that destroyed the world is what saved Noah. He was saved from the world. But the wonderful truth about this is that Noah had already been saved from the world even before the flood came. And I'll show you. Hallelujah. Go with me to Genesis chapter 6, verse number 8. Noah was already saved before the flood came. If you can't be saved before the day of judgment, you can't even be saved. But Noah find grace in the sight of the Lord. Let's back up a little bit. Verse number 6. And the Lord said, I will destroy man, woman, and created from the face of the earth, but man and the beast, I mean both man and the beast and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Next verse says, But Noah find grace where? In the sight of the Lord. Look at verse 9. These are the generation of Noah. Noah was what? A just and a perfect man, if you will, in his generation. And Noah walked with God. This is what saved Noah. Amen? Hallelujah. So from the wall of Noah, despite the fact that he was living in the midst of corrupt people, he was saved, he was pure, he was holy before God. Noah was already saved before the flood came. <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? What is that supposed to mean? Here he say he walked with God. Right? Or like the rest of mankind who wallowed in all manner of activities and, and patterns of attitudes and all that. Noah was different in his generation. So the question you ask yourself is this. Am I truly different? Am I walking with God? In Genesis 17, God spoke to Abraham. Walk before me and be thou Perfect. The Bible says Noah walked with God and was perfect in his generation. Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? What is the rating that God gives to you at this moment? So when you are being saved from the present evil world, the Christ Spirit, help me Father, the Christ Spirit enables you to separate yourself from the activities of men that are not influenced by the Spirit of God. Are we there? Look at it. Look at it this way. How are we going to be saved today? In this case, you find that Genesis tells us precisely that Noah walked with God, he finds favor in the sight of man among the rest of all mankind. God could spot him and said, This man is walking righteously before me. I'm not sure Noah had a preacher. That was preaching to him. I'm not sure there was a Bible school that Noah went through. But Noah had a relationship with God. And he kept the relationship. 
Here we are in church. We are always preaching, talking, listening to messages. How are we connecting to God? Even in our world. <laughs> How are we getting to see that? Even that which is corrupting men can corrupt us because we have a relationship with God. For Noah was already a perfect man before the flood came. It was because God saw him in this condition. That's why he picked him into the ark. How is God going to assess your life as you live today amongst men? Go with me to Romans 5 verse number 8. Let me show you. Romans 5 verse number 8. Delivering from the present evil world. How can we be delivered from the present evil world? But God commended his love towards us. Commended his love towards us. In that while we were yet seen and Christ died for us. Much more then. Being now justified by his blood. Just like Noah finding favor. We shall be saved. From wrath through him. Through who? Through Christ. But verse 10 is the key. If when, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And the life of the flesh is in the blood. So we are saved by the life of Christ indwelling us. And that is why the Bible talks about as many as are being led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons of God. So just like Noah was saved in his generation, he walked perfectly with God, and so he could get the privilege of entering the ark by favor, even so now, if we are to be delivered from the present evil world, it is going to be by the influence of the Spirit of God in our life, which is the life of Christ. And so Colossians 3 verse 4 we say, For Christ who is our life. Our life is hidden with Christ in God, and Christ who is our life. For when Christ our life shall appear, then shall we appear with him well in glory. Did you get that? The full manifestation of God's glory is as we walk with this life that God has given to us. Praise the living God. So you are saved from the present evil world through the life of Christ indwelling your life. As you walk with Him, as you continuously, you know, think within, as Continuously go back to draw strength from Him that resides within you. Hallelujah. We know vast multitude of men and women all about us walk through this life with their mind closed, their heart centered in this old world. Let me show you something, book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know if I can find another thing, but let me show you something. Ecclesiastes 3 verse number 11. Um, yeah, we take 
Let's read King James. And we'll take Matthew translation. King James says, He has made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the wall in their hearts so that man, no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. He made all things beautiful, but he placed the wall in the heart of man. By implication, no matter how you try to search for satisfaction, you can find it in the world. He placed it in the heart of man. That's why man keeps researching, man keeps digging. You know, <laughs> look at it from message translation if you can find that. 11 to 12, message translation. Through God made everything beautiful in Himself and in His time, but it's left us in the dark. So we can never know what God is up to. Whether he's coming or going, we don't know. Hallelujah. Now, you come back here. Go with me to Deuteronomy 29, 29. But we'll come back to Exodus 3. Deuteronomy 29, 29. What did it say? The sacred things belonging unto our Lord, I and mean God our Lord. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do the words of His law. The key point is secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us. That means God reveals something to some people. We have to do with his children. But for the man in the world, they have no clue what life is all about. So all they think about is, let's eat, drink, for tomorrow we don't know. Eat and drink and die for tomorrow we don't know. So let's enjoy whatever we are. The scriptures say they don't know anything about God. If he's going and he's coming, they have no clue. Go back to Exodus chapter 3. I'm not sure you have the New Century Version, but this is so clear in New Century Version. I'll read that for you. God has given them a desire to know the future. Right? He does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand what he's doing. He can't, people don't understand that. You might be don't understand that. So he placed this burden of research in the house of men to continuously seek. But the quickest place you can find God is to seek his spirit and he reveals things to you. Praise the living God. Are you there with me? If you read it from the New English Translation, this is what it says. God has made everything fit beautifully in his appropriate time. But he has also placed ignorance in human hearts so that people cannot discover what God has ordained from the beginning to the end of their lives. It's difficult. He placed ignorance there. <laughs> so how do you know God? Go with me to Matthew chapter, I mean, I think Matthew 11, got the last verse, verse 27. Just look at Matthew 11 and the last verse. King James. And all things are delivered unto me 
of my father. And no man knoweth the son but the father. Neither knoweth any man the father save the son and him to whom himself I mean whom himself the son will do what? Reveal him. This is the point. When you come close to the son he reveals the father to you and he reveals your future to you. What we read in Ecclesiastes 3, 11, 12 says, All things are beautiful, but nobody understands even his own life. And so man is always searching, but the thing is, man is unable to discover what he even has in mind because he plays ignorance of the thing he's doing in the heart of man. Are you still there with me? So living in the world, you can find out your future. You can't. Can you help me with the book of Jeremiah 33, verse number 3, I'm sure. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Call upon me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Did you see that? But the man that can call upon God is the man that have received God, the man that have received Christ. He will live it his life and through his life. He said, call upon me. I will show you. But man is on his own way trying to look for life. You can find life outside of God's spirit. Hallelujah. So the man who is living in this life, in this war, which God is delivering us from, is always worrying about earthly things. How he can provide more in the bank for old age. <laughs> How he can provide more to see and hear and taste and feel and smell pleasure, satisfaction of this world. He's never satisfied. How he can have enough food and good food to eat and drink, good clothes to wear. He's never satisfied. Everything is about his life. Now be honest with yourself. When money comes to your hand, what do you think about? Just be honest with yourself. When you start thinking about a contract that's about coming through, what's the first thing you begin to imagine? What next you want to do for your life? Hallelujah. Man's concern is out of physical man. I will never be met. Those needs will never be met because you are never going to be satisfied. You buy a Mercedes Benz now, you want to buy a BMW, you want to buy. Uh, what is it? Is it Veneza, whatever, Toyota, whatever. You want, you want to, you, you're never satisfied. That's the problem. Hallelujah. You're never going to be satisfied. And that is Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11 and 12. You're just going to, you're never going to be satisfied. Think about it. He's only mindful of his comfort and attainment. Protection and provision of the natural man. This is all is our concern. Hallelujah. But I'm saying, man is never going to be satisfied because God has placed this ignorance. And man doesn't know that it's ignorance. He has placed the ignorance in the heart of man that they're never going to be satisfied. The only thing that satisfies you is God. Praise the living God. For well, they that have the flesh, do man the things of the flesh. The Bible tells us 
Amen. I just want you to understand what God is showing us from being delivered from this present evil world. What is the evil world? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life. And 1 John 2 19 says, This world lieth under the influence of the wicked one. And God is taking us out of that. So, bringing us to a place where we can be satisfied with the joy of the Lord being our strength. At any point in time, we can discover life. What is life? Christ is our life. And when you have Him, you have all things. You are satisfied. In whatever condition you find yourself now, that is not to say God is saying be a poor man. No, no, no. The Bible tells us precisely, even if you can find his own so how much more will he not give us all good things we enjoy? He does say that. Amen. If I tells all those of you who are rich in this world, you must know what to do with your riches. He told us that. That means he really wants us to be rich. He wants us. But the point is, should riches control your life? No. Your money is not your life. Your life is Christ. Is that okay? Vehicle, whatever brand, even plane, is not your life. Your life is Christ. If your attention is on those things, you are also part of the world. And Ecclesiastes 3, 11, 12 is being fulfilled in your life. You are searching for comfort. You are searching for protection. You are searching for provision. But it's never going to be made available because you will not be satisfied with even the one you are going to get. And that's why the life of God is delivering something. So that is life that dwells within us. Shall also save us with this life. Romans 5 and verse number 10. It's so powerful that you need to check it. We are already saved. So, what is this taking off from? Look at that. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. But we already saved people. Hallelujah. So, what are we being saved from again? You see that? So, gradually the life of Christ in us is pulling us away from all of those things which destroy Eve and Adam in the garden. We are receiving a new life. We are heavenly people. That is why in Colossians 3 verse number 1, we tell you what to do with your life. Colossians 3 verse number 1. For if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ seated, where? On the right hand of God. There are things he asks you to seek after. And when you seek the things that are right hand of God, the place of power and dominion of God, all these things shall be added unto you. All of the material things, they are going to be for our own use. But the first thing we seek is where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Praise the living God. Man, this is what it means to be delivered from this present evil world. I may take one more lesson and then we shall close on this chapter. So that you go about and read and listen to them again and know what we are talking about. Are you in this world? Are you being influenced by this world? Is your life controlled by the things you feel you can acquire, the things you can see? Is that what controls your life? Then you need to be delivered. This is the real deliverance. Hallelujah. For when you seek Him, and you come out from all of those things, when you can break the yoke of those things, even religious system, and get completely back to God. Remember, First Peter tells us that three... That he died so that he can bring us back 
to God. Once you begin to gather connection, that relationship with your Father, He can commune with you, you can commune with Him. You can see visions and revelation. He talks to you for any special reason and whatever situation you find yourself, He communicates to you. When you begin to come to that level, just know that you're discovering life at the right hand of the Father. That's what God has called us into. That is the excess of our being saved even at this moment. We are being saved. Even though we are Christians, we are being saved. Because you can be a child of God as it were. You believe you are already in the church, but you are being controlled by the world. You may not know it, but that's what it is. Have I helped you tonight? God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Obaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.